0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Are You Listening? I am your host, Asano Zobi. And I'm Danielle Ferrari. And today we are bringing you a very special episode. We're calling this segment From the Table, where we're going to be talking to some of our members who are involved in bargaining. As y'all know, we are in the thick of it right now, and we are sending out written updates to membership. But sometimes... People need a little more interaction. We're joined here today with by Robin Rosig, Rosig no, Rosig. <laughs> <laughs> and Maria Garth, who both attended yesterday's bargaining session and are here to discuss with us exactly what went down.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm
2: happy to be here. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being here, Maria and Robin. We really appreciate it. Um, Maria, could you start us off just by giving us
3: a really basic rundown of yesterday's bargaining meeting? Specifically, yesterday we talked about a funding extension for graduate workers. And uh, we unfortunately did not get the answer that we wanted to. So we can talk more about that as well.
2: Yeah, if you could start by explaining what uh, grad funding extensions were being looked for and how maybe that can, like, how that relates to pre-existing programs that we had, say, last year through an MOA um, and what it was we were looking to have set up.
3: Yeah, so uh, people might remember that last year our union negotiated an academic advancement fund that was through the work of our union in 2020 and 2021 that graduate workers were able to get uh, extra funding from the university because the university received federal funding that would also allow them to pass the money on to graduate students. So we had that last year, but that ran out and they did not renew it for us. So once we started bargaining this year, we put into our proposal that we would like to create an emergency fund for those who have been affected by COVID and who are now out of funding and for essentially they did not receive a reappointment letter and so they are out of funding they don't have any type of support from the university next year but they need more time to complete their degree. So we have been trying to pressure the university to come up with a solution for this. They've known about this issue, we could say, for years, uh, at the very least months, weeks, uh, and they have not really moved on this issue at all. So um, previously, this was our, I believe, eighth bargaining session. So in previous sessions, of course, we brought this up. We uh, They have our proposal. So we've presented this proposal before. And at the session yesterday, we were essentially following up on things that we had presented to them much earlier. So I just want to sort of highlight that what we were talking about yesterday was not the first time that we were bringing this up to the administration. They're very familiar with this issue and they're very familiar with our demands, but they continue to refuse to do anything about this issue. And the reason that we we're saying that this is so urgent and we need an urgent answer from them right now is because uh, all our, our appointment letters as graduate workers run out on June 30th. That's standard for everyone. So for us, that's coming up very urgently. And for those who don't have a reappointment next year, this means that they are unemployed, essentially fired from the university starting next month.
2: I know that when the original MOA was released last year and was agreed upon by the administration, they at that point resisted us attempting to have it written into that language, that it would Last for more than one year, And the response we were often given was, we can we can talk about this next year. So not only I know you guys have been talking to them about this and asking for information about their process and what they were thinking since at least February of this year, but they're also they've been aware of this, as you said, for years, right? We've talked about this with them and the need for extensions to go beyond one year limit. Um, I might need to be fact checked on this, but I believe that. Full time faculty who are on the tenure track were given two years uh, of an extension on their tenure clock. So it isn't necessarily that our university is somehow unaware that COVID impacts go beyond just this one year of there having been lockdown and online coursework.
3: Yes, that's a great point, Danielle. That's exactly right. So they have been aware of this issue for a long time, and they did promise us that we would have another chance to discuss this with them now. They specifically said, when this becomes an issue, we're going to talk about it then. So now now is when it's a problem, and now they're refusing to talk about it. So um, at the session yesterday, specifically, we asked, would you agree to our proposal for, for this funding fund, for this emergency fund to be created. And they declined to agree to our proposal. And then we asked, would you offer your own counter proposal then if you do not like our language? And they declined to provide their own counter proposal as well. And then we asked, would you provide anything in writing to us that would make people feel like they're going to be taken care of and have some reassurance? And they declined to provide anything in writing at all. So essentially, I think we could read this as them uh, withholding their promise, because we know publicly in the past they have said funding extensions are not an issue. Everyone who needs funding will get funding and will be taken care of. You don't need to be concerned. This is being addressed on a local level. And we know now that that's not true. They, In bargaining, they're refusing to address this. They're refusing to commit to anything in writing. So I think to us, that signifies that they're really not serious about this and they're hoping to wait us out. The longer they wait, people will inevitably leave the university because they have to, or they will make other arrangements that might be less satisfactory to them. But the administration is hoping that the longer they wait, the the more this issue will go away and they can just pretend that this was never a problem in the first place.
2: Maria, can you explain a little what you mean by what they're saying when they're saying we're hoping that we're assuming that this will be addressed on a local level? Can you explain what you mean by that, what they are what they're suggesting by that, too?
3: Yes. So in the past, our union has suggested that the ideal solution to this would be the creation of some sort of central fund that would cover all graduate workers across the university. And uh, we know that Rutgers has the money for this. It's not that Rutgers is in any sort of um, financial situation where they're lacking funds that they could cover this. We know that they have an excess of funds, actually, after COVID. So they have the money, but they have refused to create the central fund. And instead, based on their uh, RCM budget model, They have instead said that they would rather take care of this on the local level, which to them means through specific schools, through specific deans and departments. So essentially, it's up to every department and then ultimately, I guess, every graduate program director to figure this out on their own. And we know that kind of solution is not going to work for everyone because inevitably some people will be better protected than others. Some people will receive funding and others won't. And there, this kind of solution also um, creates a lot of avenues for exploitation and retaliation because then departments could potentially use this kind of solution, if you want to call it a solution, to um, eliminate students, you know, or to not fund students that they have identified as being problematic or something like that. So we, we have never really liked the solution, but recognizing the urgency of this, we have said, we'll work with you on this. We need to come up with some sort of solution. It does not necessarily need to be central fund, but we just need to come up with something. And they've just completely refused up to this point to offer us anything. So I, I think we feel frustrated after yesterday's session having come away with nothing. And they even refuse to give us
2: data on the success level or the ability for people to actually access funds from their own departments. Is that correct? I know we've in the past requested information on how many how many deans, how many schools have actually been able to follow through with this. And to my knowledge, they have not actually been able to provide that or not willing to provide us that information up until now either. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, uh, that is correct. We have also gathered our own data, but they have repeatedly um, said that they need to gather more data and that the reason they can't um, provide any kind of a solution is that they simply don't have the data on this already. But we know that's not really true. They've had a very long time to collect this data if, in fact, they need data on this. Um, But essentially, people will self-identify. It's not that it's, it's hard to find all these people who need funding. They're there. Um, So I really think that this idea of them needing more data is a way, a crutch for them to just keep delaying for longer. Um, I'm not entirely convinced that they really need this uh, extreme amount of data that they've supposedly been gathering for months now.
0: And I mean, yesterday, what was The word that, or the phrase that they used, our conclusion was inconsistent with the data you provided us, and thus our our solution is to leave it in the hands of the chancellors and the deans. Um, To our listeners, in our last episode, we heard why it's not necessarily always the best solution to leave it in the hands of the deans. And as I stated earlier, Robin's here with us today. Robin, to my understanding, this was your first bargaining session that you attended and observed, right? Yeah. Um <laughs> you want to get boy was it an experience.
1: Um I have it. to say she's uh Maria is is uh being humble, but um Maria is a certified baddie after yesterday. She was she was going hard and we appreciate her for it. So thank you, Maria.
0: <laughs> but yeah, Robin, tell me how you presented your story to your experience, you and Julianne. And you gave a concise, powerful testimony to what y'all have experienced and how do you feel about how it went down, how it was received and where we're going from there?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I was asked to speak for two minutes. So, and Julianne uh, Bellata also talked. So she kind of, you know, teed me up because she, um, you know, kind of went through all of the steps that we've taken to get here. Um, and then I kind of, you know, talked a little bit about my experience because I'm still without, you know, funding. <laughs> um, they've offered us a small amount of funding, and that is only due to the organizing that we did. That was not something they had planned on doing. Um, but they've offered me $2,500 a semester, um, which won't even really cover tuition and fees um, for me. So I spoke. Um, I shared a little bit about my story, obviously. Um in a room full of faculty members and administration kind of, you know, (laughs) pouring out your trauma for everybody's consumption is, uh, not the most, um, edifying experience, let's put it that way. Um, and, you know, I, I knew what would happen, you know, that there would be a kind of cruel indifference to that, right? That's their job, I guess, is to, um, you know, not be swayed by the harm that they're doing, right? Um to do that job, you have to um uh, be able to stomach um a lot of bad things, I guess that you do. Um, but it watching the negotiations was I can't even think of a way to describe it other than sad. Um it was just sad to watch. It was sad to watch the union try so hard for graduate students um, and to be met with this very thin, very thinly veiled kind of escape, right? Them trying to get away from giving any answer, any money. I mean, it was just a very thinly veiled, no, get out of here, right? <laughs> um, they were really like not, they're not really getting any of this data. I, people ask, okay, so when did you email about the data? Um, and they couldn't even give a date. Oh, it escapes me, the date. Um, you know, I can pull up my phone and find that right now, right? Because um, it didn't happen, probably. So I, it just, it was just depressing. I don't know how else to say it. Um, and I'm at a point now where I have to really start making moves for my family. I can't drag this on much longer because I don't really have that luxury. Um, I have to actually figure out how I'm going to pay my mortgage. <laughs>
0: What were they repeating again and again yesterday? Um, We are not here to offer a counter or a proposal. We are just here to relay information. And to have a conversation. Right.
1: And I was like, well, I have friends already. So if you want to just hang out with me, like one, we could do it somewhere way more fun. Um, And two, like, what are we even doing here then? If you're not prepared to do anything, like why are we here? Um, It was like they were trying to act like They didn't understand, like, the context of a bargaining session. Mm -hmm. Like, they're like, confusion. I don't know what happens at this thing. Why are we here? Mm -hmm. Uh, When, like, the whole purpose of these meetings, as far as I would understand it, I mean, I don't do this type of negotiation, but I go to IEP meetings all the time. Um, The goal is to walk away with something,
0: right? To come to some sort of agreement. Or those who don't know what IEP is, could you...
1: Oh, yes. IEP is an individualized education program. So it is what students in K-12 who um, have disabilities, who need special education services, that's the legal document that governs uh, that process. So I've been in many tense meeting very much like this. Um, as an advocate for parents and uh, children. So I do a type of negotiation. That's why I could recognize Maria's excellent skills um, because, you know, I, I do the same thing. Um, but, you know, you come to a meeting like that to make an agreement. That's, that's kind of the agreement of the meeting, right, is that we're here to make agreements. Um, and if you're coming just prepared to say nothing um, and do nothing, then what are we even doing here?
0: Yeah, for our listeners who are hearing Robin's voice and recognizing it, like I said earlier, uh, her and Julianne gave an extensive overview, a concise and powerful overview of their experiences at the Grad School of Education in our last episode. Uh, please listen to our full-length episode on their, on their experience and how they collectively responded to their department.
1: Yes, um,
0: and thank you and for brilliant- that brilliant. And Adwa. Adwa gave set. Ajwa's testimony brought me to like tears, me alone in my apartment, listening to the full episode again. But yeah, go ahead, Robin.
1: Yeah, she's just, she's a a superstar. She's just, you can't, she's just so freaking charming and brilliant. Um, But yeah, we've done a lot of organizing uh, just ourselves and we're continuing to figure out ways outside of our department, outside of the university, even to take care of each other, even financially, including like sharing money among us. Uh, because we have no other choice. Um, And we've done this as a collective from day one. um, And they've tried at every juncture to break it up, um, you know, to dangle little (laughs) fellowships in front of people's faces, um, to try and get them to, you know, turn on this collective. And we have not allowed it to happen um, and and are still, you know, working in solidarity with one another, even though, um, you know, the, the university has not, met that solidarity in any way.
0: So Robin, when management told us yesterday that deans and chancellors know what's best for their students and they know their students needs best, their grad students, how do you feel about that?
1: Um, Yeah, they know and they don't care. So what do I do now? Like they, so my dean has decided what's best for me is for my kid to starve. Like they're, they've decided that what's best for my family is my husband to take a third job and never see his kid grow up. That's what the chancellors have decided. Uh, because that's what you're saying, right? Because we've gone through that route and they've told us they don't have any money. So, and they know who we are. Everybody knows who we are. I've been on the news. <laughs> like uh, they know who we are. Um, you don't need to do a big data search to figure out who needs money because I'm here right now telling you that I need money. Um, so you know who I am. You could just find me very easily. Um, but they don't care. Uh, the local level is not helping us. So they basically were like the local level will help. Well, they're not. (laughs) So then what? So then what is going to happen? Because they're saying they can't because they don't have anything from you guys. So I don't know what's true. Maybe they have more than they're saying that we're just not the priority, but it seems like we're nobody's priority really. Um, except the unions, right? We're not the local priority we're not (laughs) we're not the big administration's priority we're not even our department's priority um we're not even our advisor's priority really um we're on our own and we only have each other so i'll be damned if they're gonna break that up because that's all i have that when i leave the gse that will be what
2: i remember fondly and that alone Thank you so much for that, Robin. Um, Thank you. Really appreciate how much you're willing to share with us about this experience and how disheartening it can be to be in these spaces. Um, Maria, do you think that you could give us a little bit of like a rundown of what happens next when you go into a bargaining session and the university responds the way that it's responded at this point? Like, what are our next recourses and what is it that we'll be doing moving forward? And how can our listeners prepared to support Robin and other grads in this situation.
3: Well, we are hoping to have another bargaining session. Um, I believe at this time we don't have one scheduled. The union would like to meet with the management's bargaining team. but uh, I think for- they they're on vacation next week, right? Yes. We
2: have this conversation with us because their whole team is on vacation for a whole
3: week. Yes, yes. So they declined to set a date last time. And I I believe as of this recording, a date has not been set yet. So it's unclear when we will meet again. But again, this is just one of the many issues that our union is pushing. So um, we also have other urgent things that we need to discuss with them as well. And they um, have been dragging their feet on meeting with us and then when we do meet with them they do the same thing that happened yesterday where they are unprepared where they say they don't want to sign anything and things like that so despite having all these sessions we really are not moving forward because they just refuse to do that.
2: Right we get the repeated we'll loop back around on that message every time. Yeah I'm right on top of that Rose. <laughs> Oh my yeah. God, do you remember
1: that movie? It's been such a long time. I haven't thought about that in so long. I think we're
2: too young, middle I don't know. Don't tell the babysitter yeah. then. Yeah, I think we might be the only ones here who remember that. Okay. It's a great movie. You should watch that's it. Right. About a 17 year old who gets a job um, and figures out how to like succeed in America by lying and just constantly saying, I'm right on top of that rose whenever she doesn't know what the hell she's doing, which is, yeah, perfect. Perfect <laughs> description of what, it, what kind of messaging we're getting. Um, although I don't think this is a question of them not knowing what they're doing so much as it is a question of them deciding that they don't want us to know what they're doing, which is continuing to push us off until it's too late to do anything.
0: Deciding to filibuster until our international students have to go back to their home countries in order to, like, what? Because yeah. their visas ran out. Um, Maria, I do have a question. You are an experienced person in the bargaining room right? You've had experience in the past bargaining, and now you're doing this again. Has anything changed as to how management bargains with us? Are you seeing new tactics, or is it just like same old, same old that they're engaging in?
3: Well, I I will say I bargained previously with a different union. So this is my first time bargaining with with, um, our union and our uh, this management team but w- what I do see is the same tactics it seems like no matter which university you're at um, management is pulling the same tactics of delaying pretending they don't have the information sending the union to try to get more information they, they all play by the same playbook of trying to delay and stall and just generally gaslight us for as long as they can
2: Which for our listeners is why it's really important that we think about in future steps, we have to do more than what we can expect from bargaining, right? We have to be ready to, to step up and step out for each other um, so that we're able to stand up for the situations that people like Robin and Julianne and Adjua from our last episode are facing right now. Not to mention, as you pointed out, Asan, the number of international students who, because they will no longer be funded, will no longer be able to even continue their degrees, even if they were able to find another source of money because their visas are conditional on their being in this program as employees. Um so, yeah, we have to be prepared to do work that goes beyond the bargaining table, which is a big part yeah. Of
3: our- Today. Absolutely, Danielle, and also based on uh, Robin's testimony, one line that we hear a lot is that management needs more data, more information. They want to know who's affected. We've heard that from them before. So at this bargaining session yesterday, we we had people there to explain what's going on. We we provided two people who have been affected, and they gave very compelling testimony. And uh, what happened right after? management said okay thank you for your testimony and then did not address or acknowledge it at all for the rest of the session after that it completely went over their heads it's unclear if they even heard it or cared or anything like that they really did not react beyond just quickly saying thank you and then moving on so it's it's really not that we need to make more compelling arguments or that we are not giving them what they need from us it's just really they're giving us assignments to fulfill. And then they pretend like they still don't have enough information and they need something else from us. It's really just a stalling tactic.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've seen, and we're not we're not mentioning names, but I've seen members of their team uh, literally sit there and eat cheetos on camera while someone was explaining that they had to teach five classes a semester in order to survive. So what the meat cake?. <laughs> <laughs>
1: These poors are sad. Make them leave now. <laughs> it's just, it's just like, they just don't, It the reality of our lives is so removed from the reality of theirs. Um, and they all, you know, have some story about how they had to do whatever to get through graduate school and whatever. um, mm-hmm. And they use that as like kind of, you know, lore to make it sound like this is reasonable and something that's expected. Um, And that it is a reasonable kind of gauntlet to ask graduate students to go through. Um, And it's not, (laughs) it's labor exploitation Um, and it is sickening. (laughs) So I don't really care what happened when you got your PhD in 19 whatever. Um, I care right now about my bills. And you sitting there with your indifference, obviously checking your email um, while I talk about my, you know, trauma of of what I've been through with long COVID and all of that. um, And my very sincere anxiety about how I'm going to get through this next year um, for them to just sit there and do nothing is just like just a level of callousness that um, they should really be ashamed of, honestly.
3: Yeah, that's a great point, Robin. And the thing, too, in bargaining is we are meeting with people who are lawyers or HR professionals. They don't really understand who we are or what we do, and they often ask us to explain in detail what our job descriptions are which to me seems like something that they should know as a very basic preparation for bargaining at the very least. And especially because they bargained with our union in the past. But these people that we speak with and tell these you know, heartbreaking stories to, they partially don't care because they don't really understand our experience. They are upper level management who normally don't even see students in their day-to-day work. So our concerns and our problems are very far removed to them.
0: I don't think Danielle and I could communicate in just words how much we appreciate the both of you and the work you put into these spaces and like the heart you put into these spaces. Um, I, not to get like too, uh, emotional and like into. Oh, get weird with it. We're into it. Fellow comrades. Right. Um. I was seeing people, seeing universities, especially grads across the, across the nation when like these life changing contracts, right? Like life changing salary increases, changes in the workplace environment. It, it makes me hopeful that there is like a reality where we're not like getting second and third jobs in order to survive and not having to pull our money together in order and like divide it amongst one another in order to pay our bills, right? So I I am hopeful that there is a future for us, a big win in the future. But the only way to our listeners, hello, the only way to do that is collectively, right? The only way for us to come out of this is if we have more people like Robin and more people like Maria who are in the weeds of it, in the thick of it, in the weeds of it, what is English? Uh, (laughs) And who are putting in the work, right? There is something to be done in every single place, whether you are actively involved in the union and you have a history of bargaining, like Maria, or do you really you want to canvas, or do you want to send out pamphlets? There is a place for you in this fight. We cannot do it at the bargaining table alone. There are places for you that are necessary for you to join. <laughs>
2: Please stay okay. tuned. There's going to be so many calls for people to show up and support each other and show the university that we are... All on the same page, we are all fighting for each other, and that they don't have the power to resist that because we are the university. One of the things they said in bargaining yesterday that was really frustrating was they referred to themselves as us. They said we were talking to the university. uh uh-uh. We, we are the university. We are the university. The students, the faculty, the grad students, the postdocs, the people who work in the dining hall. We, we are the university, not them. Mm-hmm.
0: I'll Our just Sorry. Go, go ahead.
2: ahead. <laughs> so bad at talking when other people are talking. I'll
1: just throw in there too, like, you know, I I understand that universities are not moral institutions. They are bureaucracies, right? Um, And so when you're dealing with a bureaucracy, there's no, when you come to a table like that, just knowing this from dealing with schools for so long, is that you have what happens in the meeting, but that usually is kind of ancillary to the kind of mounting pressure going into the meeting right? And so everybody there is kind of doing a cost-benefit analysis. Universities, schools, K-12 schools, right? They're going to be weighing their decision-making against, can we afford the bad press? Is this going to impact tuition dollars, right? They are making a different calculation than you are and I am, which is, is this moral? Is this just? Is this the right thing to do? They don't care. Like, you know, bureaucracies do not, they are set up to kind of obscure the human elements so that they can continue the cruelty. Mm-hmm. Um, but in those bargaining sessions, the way to kind of get any movement, right? And and Maria, you, can, you know, if I'm if I'm off base here, please correct me, but is is when you have power behind you, power of a collective, power of organizing going into it, you know, media support, all of those things, help to kind of add pressure to that meeting and make it more likely that you'll get the outcome that you're looking for or get at least get closer to it or at least get them to come with some, you know, idea of something that they can move on, right? Um, But if they feel that they have all the power and there's really nothing stopping them, right? That nothing's gonna happen. There's only five students that are yelling about it. um, Then the cost benefit to them it's not going to pan out in the favor of doing the right thing. They're only going to do the right thing if you force them to do the right thing. And the way you force a bureaucracy to do anything is that you have to actually convince them that it's in their best interest. Um, and it only becomes in their best interest when you become a problem. Um, and if you're not a problem, nothing's going to happen. So I think that the more we can kind of make this a problem for them, which is kind of what happened with the GSE and why we got any motion at all, um, it's because it became a problem for them that they were in the news all the time about all the bad stuff they were doing. Um, and then we got some motion. Um, and the, you know, we got at least a couple people out of the group funded. Um, all of us got a little something. I mean, it's not much, but it's more than zero. Um, so that would be my kind of takeaway here is that these meetings, as frustrating as they are, we have to actually do the work outside of the meetings so that that you know, kind of Jenga tower is ready to topple. Um, and it it just takes a little, you know, breeze to knock it over. Um, and that all happens prior to the actual meeting. The contents of the meeting are, are not actually the most important thing. That is fantastic,
0: Robin. Thank you, Maria. Any parting words for our listeners and viewers?
3: Yeah, well, we are a member-run union, and we need everyone to pitch in. We have enough work for every single person, so please come to our bargaining sessions, and please come and help out in any way that you can. Thank you. And I'm- hopefully
2: Mar- Maria will come back and tell us about Article 12 and cost of living increases and other things that we're making demands on for the betterment of other grads' lives, as well as people in this incredibly dire situation right now. Thank yeah, I'm
3: happy to come back anytime
0: i think robin said it best when she said come be a problem with us to everyone listening and watching there is a lot to do we only have each other and the only way out is through together so please join us next time and thank you so much for listening and viewing